All right, um, today is your last chance to purchase your Rhett Walker tickets in person, um, as well as women's, women's Christmas dinner um, tickets. You can get them in the foyer. I would not wait for the Rhett Walker tickets to try to get them at the door. I'm sure they're probably going to be pretty close to sold out by the time we figure everything out um, tomorrow or Tuesday. Um, the giving tree in the foyer, pick a tag, bring an unwrapped gifts to church by December 17th. All gifts are priced under $25. Um, we have partnered up with Caring Hearts, which is... Um, a local um, deal here in Carroll um, to provide um, gifts for those in need. So um, it's one of the ministries, um, missions that we support here. So help us out with that. And then we have um, our outreach center, which we got, I think, back in like May. Um, we're doing some different things there. We're, we're still trying to, we're in the works of like some different things. What's all going to happen there? Um, one of the things that we're planning on doing is allowing this to be um, a food pantry of sorts. And so uh, one of the things that, one of the kickoff start things that we um, had decided to do was to put together holiday food boxes um, to help area families in need. Um, or if you're not even in need and you know somebody that just, just wants one, um, that's, that's one of our big things is we're, it's not an income-based deal. Um, and so December 15th, the, there's a limited number of them because it's the first time that we've done this. Um, but it's a ton of food. Um, there's, a, there's a gift card in there so that somebody could go buy their own turkey or ham or um, whatever they want to get. Um, but share your bulletin insert with somebody that you might think needs it. Um, or share it with somebody that can just pass it out somewhere else, um, take it to your job and hang it on your bulletin board or whatever if you still have one of those. Um, but um, if you know somebody that could benefit from it, let them know. It's December 15th um, at the Outreach Center. I think the times are maybe in your bulletin. I'm not sure what they are, but um, I'll find them out for the next service. Um, so that's what's going on right now. Um, here at Central, there's other things um, that we'll be doing um, throughout the month. The kids' Christmas program is coming up, as well as some other things. And so, um, yeah, get involved. All right, let's pray. We'll get we'll get going. God, we're so incredibly thankful for you. We're thankful for changed lives, and God, we're we're thankful to watch people take their next steps. And we pray, God, that that would never, ever, ever become old for us here in this church. That we would continually celebrate the things that you're doing in people's lives. And God, as as we open your Word this morning, may we even see that. May we see in these stories of people through this season who have who have taken their voyage, who have who who you brought from. Um, obscurity in, into who we know as the main people um, within this Christmas story, w- would you help us to see ourselves in this as well and help us to see that, God, God, you're continually taking us on a voyage and you're taking us one step at a time to become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, who it is we celebrate. And because of that, we give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Um, but Luke chapter 1, I guess I have in my notes Luke chapter 2, but Luke chapter 1 I, I think is pretty much where we're going to start, the end of that. Um, so you can turn there. This is the Christmas season. We're starting our Christmas series today. I thought there'd be more excitement in that, like for real. Because for some of you, like this is the happiest time of the year, right? I mean, some of you, like, you're like Buddy the Elf. Santa's coming! Right? You like freak out. You've been preparing for this since December 26th of last year, haven't you? Like, it's all, 
it was on sale, so I had to get it. It's like after Christmas, 50% off. <laughs> so like some of you are super, 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 super excited about Christmas. And here's one of the reasons why. You don't work at a church. That's why. Because when you work at a church, it's the Christmas season, and it's Christmas messages, and they're the same every year. It's never changed, never like one single time. But a lot of us are happy. For others, this isn't a time of happiness and joy. And, and you feel like if one more person talks about how happy I'm supposed to be at Christmas time and how much joy I'm supposed to have, and this is the reason for the season and all the carols and all of the busyness, and all, like if you hear one more person talk about that, you're going to absolutely flip, Right? Let's acknowledge this. There's probably some people here today that this isn't happy because you're in the middle of something sad. Something, something may have recently happened. Something happened last year around this time, and it's, and it's causing you to, to realize this is my first year without somebody. This is my first year that stuff is different. And, it, and it's causing some, some hurtful emotions, and, and you're frustrated, and, and, and you're just ready to throw up your hands and quit, and you don't understand why is this happening? Why is everybody else happy? Why is everybody else full of joy? Why is everybody else so excited? But I can't get there. And then you come to church. And at church, you hear the songs. And, and, and everybody is everybody's either happy or they're pretending to be happy, right? And, and, or, or you hear a podcast and somebody tells you, like, hey, you know what? Everything's going to be all right. One of these days, everything's going to get better. And one of these days, you're going to look back and you're going to be thankful for what you're going through right now. And you're thinking, there's no way in the flipping world. There's absolutely no way I'm going to be excited. But can I tell you, I know what that's like. And the Bible is full of examples that speak to those circumstances. Like I can legit think through some of the toughest times I've ever had in life. And I can tell you, even though I wouldn't have chosen that path, I wouldn't have chosen this path to get where I am today, but God has brought me to some great places. He really has. And as we wind down this year, and as we look at the voyage God brought all of us on this year, because throughout this series, that's what I want you to do. I want you to think about these voyages of the people that are on their way to the manger, and I, and I want you to think about where you are and that voyage as well. Think about where God has brought you this year and anticipate what he has next. Because we should always be anticipating what is next. We can't be content on what is now. We, we can celebrate the now for sure, but we have to anticipate, God, what are you going to do next? Because when it comes to following Jesus, I, I believe this with all my heart. When it comes to following Jesus, I really do believe the best is yet to come. Like, I believe this. And the reason I believe it is, is, is it's because I've seen it in scriptures, but not only have I seen it in scriptures, it's because I've seen it play out in my own life. And, and I've not only seen it play out in my life, I've seen it play out in some of your lives as well. And I believe throughout this series, we're going to see it play out in even more people's lives. Because if you're in the season of hurt and confusion and frustration and you're looking for happiness and joy, listen, there's nothing I can say today to make it all go away. There's nothing I can tell you today to make it all better, but I promise you, one day you will look back on it. You will say, man, I'm thankful the Lord brought me through that because now that I'm on the other side, I realize I'm a better person now than I was before I went through what, I'm just, what I just got out of. I promise you it can happen. I know because it's happened in my life, and I'm going to show you over the next several weeks, I'm going to show you how it plays out by looking at some of the voyages of the people, the Christmas story. Now, when you talk about Christmas and you're in church and, and, and we're getting ready to discuss all of that, again, we all know the story. We all know what happens. We all know exactly what everybody did when they got there and we've heard these things. We've seen Charlie Brown Christmas and we know Rudolph and we know all of these other things. But let me tell you 
from a Bible standpoint. Let, let's just go ahead and acknowledge right off the bat. The Christmas story is weird. It's weird. Now, now listen, if you're a church person, the more churched you get, the more normal the Christmas story is. But let's, let's take our church lenses off today and look at the story for what it is. Because it's really, really, really weird. But it encompasses this idea of the best is yet to come. All right, it starts out with a girl we all know. Her name is Mary. And she's just 13, 14 years old. That, that's all she is. In this story, that's all the older Mary is. 13 to 14-year-old little girl. And so you've got teenage Mary hanging out in her little village, doing what village people do, joining the Navy. YMCA. Uh, anyway, I don't know. That's just been in my head all week. And so Mary's just hanging out in her little village. And, and this is how the story starts. This is, this is where we're going to start. Mary's hanging out, and an angel shows up to her. 13, 14-year-old little Mary, just teenage Mary, just hanging out, trying to get the right Spotify playlist or whatever, can't figure it out. And an angel shows up. And this is what happens. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The angel tells her, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel said, for you have found favor with God. Now, let's just stop right there and talk about that. That's weird. Is that not weird? Let's say you're at the door today and you're greeting and Mary walks in and she's got a skip in her step and a smile on her face. You say, Mary, dang girl, you look so happy today. Why are you so happy? And Mary tells you, you know what? I heard from God today. And you say, wow. That's amazing. Was it a song you were listening to here on the way to church? Was it a a sermon you were listening to? Did you read something amazing in the Bible? Oh, no, 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 nothing like that. An angel showed up in my bathroom when I was getting ready this morning, and we had a conversation. Okay, Mary, uh, I'm going to bring you over here and introduce you to one of our church counselors. They would love to talk. I mean, none of us would buy that story. Would you? Honestly, would you? And and here's the thing. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more um, in detail in a little bit, but, but God speaks to people today. God is always speaking. However, God speaks to different people in different ways at different times and in different places. Right here, he speaks to Mary through an angel. And then watch this. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. She, she doesn't even get the gender reveal party, but she just, she's just told like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and take care of everything. They don't get to shoot the balloon, blow up like the pink, yellow, whatever, what, pink and blue. That's probably what they are. Yellow would be strange, wouldn't it? And, and so you're going to have a son, so you know what it's going to be, and you'll name him Jesus. Now, I love that. I love that the angel went ahead and took care of all of the details, told her the name. Mary, you don't get to choose. You don't have to choose. You don't have to decide. You don't have to go on Google and try to find the most obscure name that nobody else has, that nobody's going to be able to pronounce the entire life of your son. It's never going to happen like that. Like, I'm taking care of all of the details. That's what God's telling her. I'm taking care of all the details. And that's just a subtle reminder to me that God's always going to handle the details. We don't have to worry about the details. Like some of us are worried about things right now, and guess what? God has already worked them out. God has already worked out the details. The Bible tells us that God knows every step, that God knows everything. God knows every hair. God knows every, everything that goes on. Our steps have been ordained by the creator of the universe, and we're freaking out over details 
that God has already taken care of. The way I personally have had to deal with this and, and what I've really learned in life is that according to the scriptures, every day, and, and, and I try my best to do this. I fail miserably about halfway through the day. But I wake up with a posture of surrender, trying to not worry about the details that God has already handled in the first place. Amen? So he handles it right here. Hey, you're going to name him Jesus. Verse 32, he will be very great. Now, if you're a mom or dad, isn't that what you want to hear? Hey, you're going to have a kid. Your kid's going to be great. You're going to be able to go out, and you're going to be able to go out to your camel, and you're going to be able to put perfect kid stickers all over the back of your camel, right? Some of you have those on your minivan right now. And your kid ain't that perfect. We know. They're back in kids' church right now. Anyway, he will be very great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will rule over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. What do you think about that, Mary? Isn't that cool? Now, if you're Mary, and an angel shows up and tells you all of this stuff about your kids, is this something to be excited about, yes or no? Yeah. But did you know that there are people on this planet, just some, just a couple, that really do have a hard time taking God at his word. Do you know that? By the way, I'm one of them. <laughs> just, just letting you know. Like, have you ever had a hard time taking God at his word? Anybody? A- anybody? All right, the, the rest of you are either asleep or you're like, oh, no, pastor, I always believe in God. All right, um, we're going to send you the same church counselor that Mary saw because you're lying or high. And, and we want you to quit both, but we're glad you're here. Um, so the angel shows up. She tells Mary all this wonderful news, and and you know what? Mary had a hard time believing this. And if Mary, the mother of Jesus, wrestled with faith after she heard a message from an angel, I don't think God gets upset when we struggle as well. I'll prove it to you. The angel comes in, gives the greatest birth announcement ever, and then verse 34, Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I am a, what's that word say? What's it say? Well, some of you are afraid to say it. What's it say? Virgin. It says virgin. It does not say young woman. It doesn't say teenager. It says virgin. Hey, guess what? That's super, 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 super important. That's not something we can compromise on. That's not something, well, you know, maybe, maybe. No! There is no maybe or maybe not in that. The deity of Jesus Christ depends on that right there. That's, that's one of the prophecies. That's one of the things that he fulfilled. We have got to agree on that. There's none, no compromising. But can you imagine? How can this happen? Like, Jesus, name him, yeah, king, ruler. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Son of the most high. Um, thank you so much, Mr. Angel. Um, however, um, I do have a question. I don't really know about angels and angel stuff and how other angels come to be and like at what age you get your wings and, and, and all of that. But, but, I, but I do have like a serious question. I, I'm a human and um, with humans, here's this thing. Um, you got a, a, a boy human and, and a girl human and, and in order to get an, another human, you need, you know what, hey, Mr. Angel, hand me my Barbie dolls right there. Give me Ken and Barbie. I'll show you what they, what they do right here. Like, like seriously, it's a legitimate question, isn't it? Hey, Mr. Angel person, Mr. Wing person, sir, I need to know how it's going to happen because I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. We haven't done anything. Like, it happens this way, and I haven't done that. The angel replies, the Holy Spirit. Oh, all right. That clears everything up. Thank you very much. 
who is that? Who, like, she doesn't know. Mary doesn't know. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. This is unbelievable. The angel, right here, the angel tells Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to do a work inside of you that nobody else is going to understand, and most people, Mary, they're not even going to believe it, but one day, people will not be able to deny don't, don't miss this. When it comes to you and your life and what God is speaking into you, you will go insane trying to explain what the Holy Spirit is trying to do inside of you. you. You will. You will go insane trying to explain to other people what the work is the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. Other people won't believe it. Because let's take our church lenses off. Let's keep them off for a while. We would not believe this. Let's say Mary walks in. She walks in the door and she got a bun in the oven, right? Now, men, you never ask, right? You, know, you don't say a word. If, if the baby's coming out, you're like, oh, I didn't even know. You, you don't even ask. You don't. You go to a staff member, and you say, hey, is so-and-so pregnant? That's okay where gossip is all right. Like, that's the only place when it comes to pregnancy. You don't ask because it goes bad real quick. It's never happened to me, um, but I know a friend. His name is John Sampson. And so, um, <laughs> but... Oh, here, here's what, here's what ladies, like men, you don't say anything. Ladies, here's what you know. If you get pregnant and you, your belly starts getting big, th- this is true, yes or no. Somebody's going to go up to you at Walmart and rub your belly, right? Whether they know you or not, and they're like, oh, it's so cute. I saw a girl one time. This is the funniest thing ever. I, I think we should actually buy these T-shirts for people who get pregnant, put Central Church on the back so people know that they come from. She had a shirt on that said, if you didn't put it here, keep your hands off. And there was an arrow pointing down. I was like, that's the greatest shirt ever. Anyway, let's say, let's say Mary walks in, and we know Mary's pregnant because she's showing a little bit, and you, you know Mary, and you have the courage to walk up to her and say, Mary, Oh my gosh, are you having a baby? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm having a baby. Oh, um, uh, this is awkward, Mary. Um, my invitation to the wedding must have got lost in the mail because I didn't know you and Joseph got married. Oh, oh, we're not married. Oh, so you and Joseph are having a baby and you ain't married? Oh, no, 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 don't worry. Joe's not the daddy. What? Joseph's not the daddy? Like, what's going, are you going to go on Springer and do one of those tests to find out who the daddy is? Oh, no, don't worry, don't worry. The Holy Spirit is the dad. Oh, Mary, come here. We got a line forming over here with the church counselor. We're going to put you back in it, right? Did anybody believe this during this time? No, absolutely not. You will go insane trying to explain what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Sometimes you have to just walk through it. You have to trust God. You've got to take him at his word. You've got to step into what he's calling you into. And that's what Mary did. And Luke goes on to tell us in chapter 2, it's going to talk about the birth of Jesus down the road. But it says, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. If you could believe it, there was a time in the world where the government was involved in everybody's life and was obsessed with numbers and counting people. I I know there's nothing going on in our nation like that today. I'm just saying thousands and thousands of years ago it happened, all right? Watch this, verse 4. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting 
a child. The, the King James Version and other versions say great with child, meaning it, it's about time. Like she's, she's ready to pop. Now, it took almost a week to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem by donkey. I have a question for the ladies in the room who have ever had a baby. You've actually had a baby. A baby came out of you. I've just heard, I don't, I don't know this for a fact because I've never had a baby. I've just heard that the last week of pregnancy is just about the most uncomfortable week of your entire life. Would that be true, yes or no? Yes. Now let me ask you another question, ladies. The last week of your pregnancy, the last week like the most uncomfortable, miserable week of your entire life, like right before you have the baby. What if your husband walked in and said, hey, baby, let's ride a donkey for a week. What do you think? There's not a woman in this room that thinks, yes, yes, you're the greatest husband in the history of husbands. Do you think while Mary is riding that donkey the last week of her pregnancy, is she thinking the best is yet to come? No. She's thinking, are you kidding me? Out of all the times, God, I know you rule, you reign supreme, you control the universe, it's all in your hands, but why am I on a donkey going to Bethlehem? And not just Mary. Think about Joseph. Think about what Joseph had to go through the last week. They're riding a donkey. The King James Version has another term for donkey. Anybody want to guess what that is? Don't say it out loud. But I was thinking about this this week. Mary literally rode his for the entire week. Dude can't catch a break. Can't cancel me. This is God's call. Did Joseph, did Joseph think the best is yet to come, yes or no? No. Joseph is thinking, Mary, you saw an angel. At least that's the story you're telling me. You saw an angel. An angel came to you, said you're going to get pregnant, and you're going to have a baby, and now I'm leading you here, and you're on the donkey, and I've got to walk, and blah, 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 blah. Can you bring him back? If he really exists, can you bring him back? Because if he's so powerful and he's got wings, why doesn't he just show up, pick us up, and fly us from Nazareth to Bethlehem? So this is a problem, Right? This isn't this joyful, I'm going to stroke your hand the entire way. Everything is good. Everything is great. And then it gets worse. Verse 4. And while they were there, the time, for the, the time came for the baby to be born. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Joseph. Thanks for bringing me away. Like in Nazareth, Joe, we got our friends. I got my family. We got a place. We got arrangements. We got our doctor. We know the hospital we're going through. Everything is the way it was supposed to be. And now you've taken me to Bethlehem where I don't know anybody. And Joe, you don't even have a plan. But God had to take Mary. Don't, don't miss this. God had to take Mary out of a, a situation where she was completely comfortable and put her in a situation where she had to completely trust in him. Do you know that sometimes God will take us out of our comfortable situations so we'll actually pay attention to how desperate we really are for him? Do you know that? That's what he's done in my life multiple times. He's removed me from comfortable situations so I can learn how to depend on him. And instead of just preaching about it, I've had to learn how to live it. And so if God's removing you from a situation where you're completely comfortable, it's probably because he's getting ready to deliver that work that he's been doing inside of you, and he can't do it while you're here. He can't do it in your Nazareth. He has to bring you to Bethlehem. Verse 7, 
She gave birth to her firstborn son. Her what? Her what? Firstborn. If the Bible going to say firstborn, do you know what that means? There were other borns. Yes or no? Yeah, she's not the conceptual virgin. Anyway, another message, another time. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. If I'm Mary, I'm ticked off right here. I'm upset. Are you kidding me? You couldn't give us at least a two-star hotel, creator of the universe. You couldn't have, like, Airbnb'd or verboed. You brought us to this nasty place for me to give birth to our son? Because don't miss this. Don't miss this. When we say manger, listen, most of us have manger scenes that are way jacked up. I'm not trying to tell you don't have your nativity scene, don't have the manger scene. I'm just saying, you got it. It's all pretty. It's all nice. You got little snowflakes around it. You got little cotton balls all around there. Make it look all cool. It's the Middle East. It didn't snow. That, anyway, and so you got the little barn thing, and you got the shepherds, and you got to take the wise men away. They weren't there. Um, but, but, and, then, and then you got little baby Snoopy laying in the manger. Like, that's, that's what you got. The manger scene wasn't beautiful. It wasn't. Most scholars believe it happened in a sheep cave. Jesus, the creator, savior of the world, born in a sheep cave. Can you imagine what that smells like? Can you imagine how unsanitary that would have been? Put in a manger. We have made it so beautiful. It wasn't beautiful. It was a mess. Put Jesus in a trough. That's what it was. A trough that animals drank from and ate from. But there's a reason for this. I believe. I believe it's God showing us right here that there's not a a mess in this room that Jesus can't identify with. He wasn't born in the palace. He wasn't born in the temple. Jesus was born in a mess. In a mess. And if you're in the middle of a mess today, there's nothing going on in our lives that Jesus can't identify with because he started in a mess. He's the perfect example of what it looks like when God takes a mess and turns it into a miracle. See, when we think about the Christmas story, all of us would agree. We can all look at it, and we can all see what happens, and we can all agree that God's at work at the Christmas, in the Christmas story. We, would we all agree with that? Right? I mean, we've got a view 30,000 feet out. We can see the start. We can see the birth. We, we understand... <coughs> Sorry, we understand the, rea- the resurrection. We understand that he's alive today and he's changing lives because of the empty tomb. Like, we can see the whole thing and we can say, yes, Pastor Ryan, I believe that God was at work in the Christmas story. Great, what does that do for me today? Here's what it does for you today. God is at work in your story. See, I love to say all the time, if it, if it happened in the Bible, it can happen today. Right, I, I believe that with all of my heart. And so we can't sit here and say, yeah, we agree that God's at work at the Christmas story, but he's forgotten about me. But li- listen, I-, I know what it's like to feel that way. I have felt that way. You have felt that. I- it-, 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 it has felt like that for many of us, that-, that yes, God's been at work in the past, but God's not at work here. It felt that way for Joseph, though. Think about it. It felt that way for Joseph when he couldn't find a place for his baby to be born, It felt that way for Mary when she felt probably completely abandoned by God because an angel had shown up, but then she never heard from the angel again personally. And now she's in a sheep cave giving birth in messy conditions. But it all worked out okay. Actually, it worked out better than she could have ever imagined. 
Now, Luke and, and, and Matthew are two of the gospel writers that tell us the Christmas story. Mark and John, they just kind of dive right into the story of Jesus. But Matthew gives us an, another account of this. And, and Matthew tells us, in, in the middle of his account, he tells us about another group of people who were involved, the wise men and Herod. Now, the wise men were astrologers. They were studying stars in order to predict the future. And so they, they would have been the people writing horoscopes. I know nobody in this room has ever read a horoscope, right? Another message for another time. But these astrologers, they're out looking at the stars, and they're looking at the stars not for the purpose of worshiping God. But God said, hey, you know what? Those guys right there, you see what they're doing? I know what they're doing isn't right. I know what they're doing isn't worshiping me, but I'm going to go meet them there. I'm going to meet them right in the middle of what they're doing, and, and, and I'm going to give them, give them a sign in the sky, and it's going to completely change their lives. He, he, he used what they were doing and brought them to Jesus. And so they see the star. We'll talk about this later in the series, but they see the star. They show up in Jerusalem, and, and, and they tell Herod, the king, they're like, hey, we're here to worship the king of the Jews. And Herod says, cool, you found him. I'm the king of the Jews. And they're like, yeah, um, uh, it's not you, man. Um, we kind of heard it was a baby. And Herod's like, oh, um, go find the baby, and when you find him, let me know too, because I'm going to come and worship him as well. And so they went and they found Jesus at a house. He wasn't at the manger any longer, all right? They, they, they found him in a house. It was, it was somewhere between um, 18 months and 24 months later after Jesus had been born. And they find Jesus, and they give him gifts, and they do all of that stuff. But then an angel told the wise men in a dream, don't go back to Herod. He's a trickster, and so, and they leave, and then Joseph is kind of left. He's got these gifts. He's kind of, he's got his family and, and all this stuff, and, and everything's kind of working out, and I bet he feels really safe, and everything's okay. And then chapter 2, verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Again, this is unique. The angel appeared to Mary, appeared to the wise men and Joseph in dreams. Don't ever get mad because God speaks to different people in different ways. He speaks to people differently. He's always speaking, but he's going to speak to people differently. He had to show up to Joseph in a dream. And then he tells him this, get up. And if I'm Joseph, I'm like, you for real? I just fell asleep. I was just going to go out here, Mr. Angel. Like, uh, where, where do you want me to go? Flee to Egypt. Uh-uh. Nope. I'm not going there. Because Jewish people during this time period, they didn't go to Egypt. In fact, if you were to ask a good Jewish person in this time period, would you go to Egypt? They would say, I would never go to Egypt. Because Egypt represented a place where they had been enslaved for over 420 years. So you would never go back to a place you have to escape from. Let me say this, and I'll talk about this at some point. Be careful what you say you will never do. Because sometimes the place that we say we will never go is actually the place that God has to take us through in order for us to see a miracle on the other side. Flee to Egypt. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Okay, cool, we're out, we bounce. That night, Joseph left for Egypt. Don't you wish there were times in your life where you were like immediately obedient to God? I'm the guy most of the time is like, all right, God, like, can I get a sign? Like, you give me some confirmation, something. But Joseph acted immediately. I love that. It's a huge message in that. Um, and stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Don't miss that. 
God said, I called my son out of a place where my people experienced brutality, slavery, hurt, confusion, and pain. Jesus can identify with whatever you're going through because he got called out. Just like God is going to call us out. Watch this, verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. I've never seen that on a Christmas card, ever. I've never seen that at a manger scene. Have you? You got your G.I. Joes around there just slicing the head off of babies? You, you got that? Like, that, that's not there. Can you imagine what this was like? Can you imagine soldiers ripping your little boy away from you and killing him in front of you? Can you imagine the hurt, the pain, and the confusion, and the frustration going on in Bethlehem? There's hurt, pain, confusion, frustration because of a political decision, and nobody knew how to handle the situation. Matthew goes on to tell us in verse 19, when Herod died, let me stop right here, let me talk about this. For most of you, you probably know this, you you don't have to to guess this about me, I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm a fighter. Like, there, there are three reactions to conflict. Fight, flight, or freeze, right? I don't, I don't freeze. <laughs> I don't run. I will fight. Not only will I fight, but, man, if it has something to do with my kids, <laughs> like parents, how quickly will you fight for your kids? And, and so if I'm Joseph, I'm like, all right, tell Herod, bring himself down out to temple. Let's go. Herod! I got some for you, boy. Come on. Ryan, what about the 4,000 soldiers? I mean, cool. Bring them. I'll be all right if I go like one-on-one, have a break in between each one or something. At least a couple of them are coming to the hospital with me. I'd fight 4,000 soldiers for my kid, wouldn't you? Heck, I'd fight for my dog, Zeno. Not Titus. I ain't fighting for that idiot. But Zeno, ooh. But you know what? There are some battles that God says, hey, you don't need to fight that one. In fact, don't miss this. Somebody needs to hear this today. God will handle your Herod. God will handle your Herod. I've been in a couple situations where I have wanted to fight. Like, like I felt like I've got every reason and right to fight. And God spoke to me very clearly and said, hey, Ryan, you can fight this battle or I can fight it for you. Which one do you want? See, Joseph could have fought and Joseph would have gotten killed. So he went to Egypt and God handled the battle in his time. Herod died. God will handle your Herod. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dream to Joseph in Egypt. Do, do, do you think Joseph getting a little afraid to go to sleep at this point? This is like Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddie coming to get you. The girl going to sleep. She won't go to sleep. Joseph's like, I can't. I'm so tired. I can't go to sleep every time I go to sleep. The angel shows up, tells me to do something else. I ain't going to sleep. If I don't go to sleep, he can't talk to me. Get up. Again. Angel. I can't. Just got here. Yeah, whatever. Get up. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. All right, we'll go. Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, are you kidding me? Another dream? God's always talking. That's what you need to get from this. God is always talking. Anytime we feel like we've hit a roadblock, anytime we feel like we're stuck, God's always speaking. God is always moving. He's never going to leave us in a place where we don't know what to do. He is always talking. Be quiet. Listen. Look around. You'll see him and you'll hear him. 
Because then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. God had to get him to Galilee. And that was weird. Because think about this. They started in Nazareth. That, that's where they started, Nazareth. And they went to Bethlehem. And then they went all the way to Egypt. And then they come back to Israel. And now they got to go to Galilee. God, couldn't you have just taken me straight to Galilee? Like, like couldn't we went just from Nazareth to Galilee? Like, that's a really short walk, God. Couldn't we just have gone there? Do you know sometimes God doesn't take us straight from point A to point B because we're not ready for it? Do you know that? And listen, God's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to develop you so that when you get to Galilee, you're ready for what he has for you. Because listen, this is so cool. Galilee. Galilee. Mary had no idea when she took her baby to Galilee that by the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus would call some of his very first followers. Beside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus would feed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Within the sight of the Sea of Galilee is, is where Jesus would deliver the Sermon on the Mount, considered one of the greatest sermons ever preached. Jesus would calm storms on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus would walk on water on the Sea of Galilee. But, but they're not there had they not gone through the process. Somebody here today, l- l- listen to me. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to tell you, even though right now it hurts, even though right now it's confusing, even though right now it's painful, God is going to use it. When you get through it on the other side, you're going to be able to worship and you're going to be able to be, feel joy again. Because the voyage may not be easy, but it's worth it every single time. I'm going to close out with this thought. Because every time I think of a, the Christmas angel, every time I, I read the story about the angel showing up, I'm, re, I'm reminded that they weren't fat kids in togas. Those are precious moments. That, that's not what angels look like. Let me tell you why people listened. They were big, huge, scary beings. That's why everybody freaked out. That's why they always had to start out, hey, don't be afraid. I think sometimes they did, scare, they did show up and scare people. Boo, get out of here, run. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 tells us, and, and it kind of addresses this whole situation, that when you're in something that's confusing and you're some, something hurting and God is speaking, that, that this is what happens. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Sometimes tragedy happens in our lives so we can see Jesus clearly. I've, I've told you that for a few weeks. Sometimes tragedy happens so we can see Jesus more clearly. It doesn't say that the year that King Uzziah lived, King, King Uzziah and Isaiah um, obviously had this relationship. They, they were friends, and Isaiah's upset, and he goes to essentially church to, to kind of figure things out and talk to God. King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. These are the angels, each having six wings, With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now Isaiah's upset, and his circumstances don't change, but his perspective did, because he sees God, he hears God, and the angels don't bring King Uzziah back to life. He just said the angels were there, and they were declaring who God was, and then I understood, I saw it. God is in control. He rules, he reigns supreme, and he is holy. The word holy, when, when you break it down, means without sin. And that means that God is without sin, and he's perfect. And if God is without sin and he is perfect, so are his plans for your life. As we start this Christmas season, you might not be in a place where you're experiencing happiness and joy. You might be in the middle of a storm. You might be in the middle of confusion. You might be in the middle of hurt and pain. And again, listen, I can't, I can't say anything to make it better right now. But I can tell you that if we'll pause 
and we'll focus on who Jesus is, that eventually we'll look back on this season and we'll say, it might not be the path I would have chosen, but I'm glad I went through it. And so as we go through this series, I want to encourage you to think and ask yourself the question, where am I in the voyage? Wherever it is, look around and listen. Jesus is right there with you. And I'm telling you, in him, the best really is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'll help those in this room that are struggling. God, if there's hurt, there's pain, there's confusion, maybe there's some frustration in this room. And so, Jesus, I want to pray over these next several moments that we'll focus on you and that we'll be able to stop putting our attention on how big our problem is and that, God, we would shift our focus onto how great you are. Jesus, I want to thank you that no matter what we're going through today, Jesus, you are holy. And, Jesus, you can identify with us every step of the journey. Maybe you're here, maybe there's something going on in your life and you need somebody to pray with you or pray for you. We'll have people in the back corners of the sanctuary who would love to pray with you and for you during this song. My hope and prayer is that as you sit and listen to the song, though, you would just pray in your heart and in your mind and just say, Jesus, whatever, whatever it is you're going through, you would just say, Jesus, I surrender this to you. I give it to you. There's nothing I can do about it. Maybe you're saying, I tried that, Ryan. It doesn't work. Well, don't you maybe, like, maybe, maybe you just need to say, God, give me a faith. Give me a faith to give it to you. Give me faith to hope again. Give me faith to believe again. Give me faith to have courage again. Father, fill me with faith today. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus is your Savior. There'll be people in the back who would love to talk with you about that, pray with you for that. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you that the best is yet to come. It's in you that we give glory and honor and praise because you are holy. In Jesus' name, amen.